0: All right, well, we have been waiting for a date like today for a little over a month here. We got a lot to talk about tonight on Behind the Yellow Line, the Chicago Cubs podcast. Uh, like I said, guys, about a month. Since the regular season ended, the World Series wraps up. We'll talk a little bit about Dusty and the Astros towards the end of today's show. But free agency opened today. We're recording this the night of November 10th, and the Cubs already making a bevy of moves. So we'll break all that down. We'll talk about some potential free agent signings for the Cubs now that that's opened up and other notes here across Major League Baseball. Uh, Good to have you here tonight, Jeremy and Randall. We got a full crew this evening. And guys, I I just want to say I was so excited today Seeing some action, a little bit of movement here. We're past that five-day window. Free agency is open, and the Cubs' off has begun. This is fun. It's
1: definitely fun, and and we know the biggest thing is the GM GM meetings are going on. So we're going to get all those tasty rumors that I know Randall loves to have. Uh, easily, coming out.
2: easily the worst part of the off-season. Elon Musk should make that illegal. Could worst do part worthwhile. of the off-season,
0: maybe or, Could do something
2: worthwhile for a change.
0: I think it's going to be the best part of the show because we got a whole bunch of rumors about guys that could be coming to the Cubs, where some potential former Cubs may be landing. Um, But it was just good. Like, there's some movement here. When your team doesn't make the playoffs, the offseason is that much longer and that much slower. I thought we had an entertaining postseason this year. Championship Series was a little short, though. World Series didn't end the way I wanted it to. But you're just waiting for a day where there's movement, there's 40-man movement, there's players being optioned, all this going on. And we finally got some of that today. This is the most important Cubs offseason in years, since maybe 2019. I'm ready for it. And we saw some action today.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, as just being a Cubs fan, like this has kind of been the moment you've been waiting for. I mean, we love the season. We love baseball. We love watching games. That's the fun part of it. But this is the moment you've been waiting for for over a year, you know, because like this is it's time now it's time for the cubs to really invest in this team like the past year year has basically been selling off right you know making trades starting with the darvish trade even even going back the year before that like they should have been investing but they weren't they weren't really doing anything so they have like just doing nothing being idle and then selling off and now it's the first time it's like we're adding we're ready to go um Mm -hmm. i mean you have you have Jed Hoyer was meeting with Scott Boris the other day. And so Boris comes out. I mean, Boris, you got to take everything with a grain of salt, right? But Boris says the Cubs are ready to invest. So it's yeah. nice to hear those things. And, you know, you have something to look forward to. And, and it it's going to be a slow offseason, but it's going to be an exciting offseason, I think, for Cubs fans.
2: And I think it's the first offseason since the 2018-2019 offseason where we expect the Cubs To hopefully spend some money now that off season, obviously they did not do a whole lot of spending and we were all very disappointed and we remain disappointed, but I think this is the first off season in a while where we actually expect them to spend some money, and I think it will play out that they do spend some money they would spent last off season, but I don't know that we went into that off season. with all the uncertainty expecting them to dole out for Strowman and for Suzuki the way that they did. So I think this is the first off season in a while where you're getting a, a confluence of all of these factors and it it's exciting because we, we haven't gotten this the last few years and I'm excited to uh, have good thoughts,
0: good, good feelings about free agency again, finally. I think they need to do something here too. They need to, right? They do. Attendance has been down at Wrigley. Viewership on Marquee is down interest in the team right now is at a low point. And it was just a couple years ago, this time we were getting ready for a parade. So things have really sort of dissolved there. To the Cubs benefit, they've got a ton of money to spend. And the dead weight type players, like no disrespect, Jason Hayward, good dude, not great player the last couple years. That's out of the question now. Like, like this is a team that's gonna spend money this winter. I think they're gonna be aggressive. I'm expecting at least one major trade. I think that's where they're gonna get a top line pitcher. And we're going to be talking here in a couple months at the start of spring training about a team with serious division title aspirations. And that's exactly where I want to be when we get into the middle of February.
2: And this team should have division title aspirations because this division blows. You've got two teams (laughs) who are going to be completely non-competitive in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And you've got two teams who the Cubs should have no problem outspending and outplaying in milwaukee and st louis this team should have division title aspirations they should have much higher aspirations but they definitely need to start with a division this is, this is an awful division you're not playing in the al east here you need to win this division start there and then and then go up
1: i think you make a good point uh ronan and i agree with you randall obviously you want to have division be di- aspirations for the division but i think you make a good point about you know viewership declining with marquee marquee is you know they brought in marquee to be uh, it was supposed to provide all this, you know, money that, for the team and all this and all this other stuff. You know, you're not going to be booing Marquise, whatever. But uh, they want Marquis to succeed, and I think everybody wants Marquis to succeed. You know, as for, if you're a Cubs fan. But and the only way to get you know this, people to the, watch the team is to make the team competitive, and I think they realize that. You have Crane Kenny saying like, "We don't have a, we didn't have a competitive team, and people lost, uh, you know, they lost interest in that." And so I think that's kind of like. You know, obviously, you want the team to be good for the, for the being good's sake. But I feel like the Ricketts family, and I know we all, they are invested in the team being good because they need the team to be good so they can make money, which is what I think they mostly care about. And so I, I think that's kind of like they have to bring that interest back. They can't have a half empty w- Wrigley. They can't have. Uh, uh, you know, Hotel Zachary empty and all the other stuff empty. They can't have viewership declining. That, that doesn't work for them. And the only way it works for them is if there's a team that's good on the field. And usually the only way a team that's good on the field, if you're the Cubs, is you have to spend some money. So yeah. I, that's kind of where my faith is. And I think they recognize that when you hear Crane County say those things, when you hear, you know, they're going to invest. Who don't, We don't know how they're going to invest. Uh, we hope they invest, you know, really in some really good players that they spend a lot of money. But I, I think it's an exciting time right now to be a Cubs fan. I think it's important that, you know, as you said, this is like a very important off season for them.
0: Yeah. The offseason always stinks. Let's be honest. We want baseball. I just want to be watching right. games again. But this should be a particularly interesting one for a team that's got a lot of money to spend, and we'll see how they do it. I started today, though, about a dozen or so transactions for the Cubs today. A lot of this administrative roster management type stuff. Break that down here, but where we sit tonight, the 40-man roster for the Cubs at 36. So some of the moves from today activated a bunch of guys off the 60-day IL, Kyle Hendricks, there's a big name, Cody Hoyer, a guy we expect to be a prominent reliever next year. Other players in there, Ethan Roberts, Alec Mills, Brad Wick. Then they outrighted a handful of players off the 40-man roster, and a couple names jump out from that. Alec Mills, Brad Wick, David Bodie, Fran Mill Reyes. Now, Jeremy, this does not mean these players will not be Cubs next year or part of the Cubs organization take a guy like David Bodie it most assuredly means he's going to be in Des Moines at the start of next year versus a team maybe picking up his contract but still these are some big names guys that were everyday players or major contributors the last couple of years that today are off that 40 man
1: yeah definitely some big names and i'm not exactly sure how it all works out uh, so I, I don't want to speak out of turn with david bodie he's going to be you know he's still going to get paid his major league contract i assume yes. but um i'm not actually like I, I feel like most of this is kind of procedural, just because there's so much. They had to get under a certain number, right? With uh, on the forty man, there's so much going on. Uh, guys coming off the the uh, guys coming off the sixty day IL, and they have this roster crunch coming up, so they have to get under a certain number. And a lot of teams have to get under a certain number, so I think that's why you see. us all. a lot of these guys clear waivers because everybody's kind of in this position in this moment. You can't really take somebody from somebody else because you have to figure out kind of your off season. Um, but I, so I think the real date is going to be that November 18th date when they kind of start to have to figure out who they're going to tender for next year. And then I think we'll see, like, are some of these guys going to come back? Cause some of these guys, I don't think they're going to stick around, uh, you know, yeah. the Iowa Cubs. I don't, I don't expect them to be the next year. I think it's going to be, they're going to be free agents. And so, uh, it, I think most of it's procedural. So I think we have to really wait a week or two to see where this is actually going to go with a lot of these guys, but I, I do expect some of them to be starting Iowa.
2: Yeah, as as Jeremy said, some of the players that they outrighted today actually have the right to elect free agency. Bodie could elect free agency, but of course, he'd lose the remaining guaranteed money on the extension he signed. He's not going to do that. Nobody's paying David Bodie the $10 million the Cubs still owe him. He's not going to do that. But Franmil Reyes could elect for free agency instead of the assignment to A. So in a way... Uh, uh, outriding him today it almost serves as kind of a non-tender because this is the Cubs saying we want to keep you in the organization but we aren't paying you we don't necessarily want to pay you what your arbitration salary would be so these like you said these are interesting names that are getting outrighted and it adds uh, another wrinkle to what exactly the Cubs intend to do with some of these players as certain deadlines near
1: I'm not exactly sure but if they were already assigned to the Iowa Cubs, I think they, none of them elected free agency because I think they are waiting to see if they're going to be tendered contracts on no, in November.
0: Well, they cleared waivers. That was one right. thing, and that's to your waivers. point, Jeremy. That you know other teams are working out their roster there. But I just think you know David Bodie here. I, I think it's certain he's going to be in Des Moines to open the year, just because I don't think any other team is going to take that on. And I kind of like that for the Cubs. For his sake, he's getting paid. The money's there. He has all the incentive in the world to get back to the big leagues with the Cubs. So if he's hitting in Iowa, there could be a roster spot for him or a potential trade candidate, depending on where he's at next year. Reyes, this is kind of a controversial name. Jeremy and I have been going at it a little bit in our little chat. I did not want the Cubs to tender Reyes a contract, certainly not at $6 million, which was sort of the ARB estimate there. What I think is going to happen here with Reyes, and Jeremy, I think you're going to like this, may be a major-minor deal where he's got a certain dollar amount if he makes the big league team and a different dollar amount if he's in the minor leagues. And that gives him an opportunity next year to earn that big league contract. The Cubs have put some messaging out that they want him around. They're not paying him $6 million, but they may be able to work something out here that does have him back. As long as he's not on the 40 man and he's not a guaranteed roster spot, no problem. I just don't want any part of him being guaranteed a job going into next year.
2: And I would bet that if they do agree on like a split contract like that, it'll probably have one of those veteran opt-out dates in spring training where if the Cubs have not necessarily guaranteed him a roster spot, he has the right to elect for free agency and see if he catches on with another team. So I would bet that if they do work out that split contract, they'll probably work one of those in. But like you said, the Cubs have messaged that they 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 like him as an individual they like the power potential, even if it just hasn't necessarily showed up. They like the mentorship he brings to some of the younger Spanish-speaking players. So like you said, they signal that they want to keep him around. They've just also signaled they don't necessarily want to pay him that full estimated arbitration salary.
1: Yeah, I, like I never thought he would ever get that full estimated uh, salary. I mean, that's just an estimate. I've seen actually other. There's other places that have estimates as lower than six. six million. I think Cott's contract has that estimate five million, um, and that that's all you know negotiated. Um, there's not a set there, but uh, I I do think that like you I I do think you kind of you want to see him through a full spring training. Like the Cubs didn't really have that with him. They just kind of picked him up at the end of the season, kind of throw him out there. You could do a little bit, but you have a whole offseason get through because he's a guy who's hit and he's hit in the past. And I don't think he prevents you from doing anything else. I don't think having friend Reyes in your organization, even on the 40-man, but he's not on the 40-man now, prevents you from, like, going out and acquiring another player. Like, I, I don't think, like, he should be just be handed the DDH spot. I think you you still go out there. You still go out and, and acquire. So it's never to me. But, like, I think he's a good guy to have around. If he doesn't hit, I think you can easily move on from him. So I, I still don't quite – like, I don't want I don't want to speak out of turn. I still don't quite understand – how all this kind of works with the with him. I, I just think we'll have to wait. I think in two weeks we'll have a better, clearer fit, picture of everything. And you know, these guys could be free agents, I think, in two weeks if they if they don't decide to bring it back. So um but I I, I do think it's interesting to see the names that were outrighted off of the off of the 40 man because these are guys that like it you know they're the first kind of ones. So we'll see where it all goes when um mm-hmm. excuse, not two weeks. It should be one week actually. We'll see all where it goes uh, next week.
0: Well, I I definitely just don't think Reyes is worthy of a 40-man spot. They have a real crunch here, and there's guys that they're not going to be able to put on it that they're liable to lose here in the Rule 5 draft in a couple of weeks that's going to sting a little bit. Just within this organization, I don't think he earns one of those very, very very valuable spots.
2: And, you know, I don't think anybody is necessarily decrying Fran as the player, as the two of you have been discussing this, not really with each other, more kind of discussing it at each other, like a humidifier and a dehumidifier and a humidifier and a dehumidifier going at it but uh As long as the salary is not prohibitive, and it's not going to be, and as long as he's not taking up one of those valuable 40-man spots in the offseason where you need those to maneuver, I don't think any of us have a problem with keeping him in the organization and bringing him to spring training. I think the points of contention are the 40-man spot and the salary, and as long as neither of those are prohibitive, I don't think any of us have any trouble keeping Franmil the individual and Franmil the player, or at least the potential player, in the organization going into Mesa in February.
0: Well, I don't think we've been talking at each other. I think we've been enjoying discuss. a colorful banter about a Cubs roster spot when there's nothing else going on. Cubs can't do anything. Dusty's winning World Series championships. Let's talk about Reyes. Let's talk about these guys, whether or not they are worth a roster spot, and then let's let that spill over into our weekly show here. Because we talk about it anyway. This is this is right. top of mind all the time, every day. And it's fun. It's fun to play general manager. It's fun to think about how you would structure a team and talk about it with people that are watching the team every day. Yeah, Even if you I, disagree, it makes it more fun.
1: Agreed. Ah, uh, I'm disagreeing. There you go. Um, agree to disagree. But uh agreed on disagreeing, it makes it more fun. Uh but also not just to focus on Reyes. Um, you know, a guy like Steven Brawl was is a guy like, you know. I, I, I like I don't mind having him around I don't mind having but you kind of that's not a guy you really want to take a roster spot so I understand that 100% like he he looked okay actually when he pitched for the Cubs so it's like but uh I, him Alec Mills these are guys I could kind of see you know not really being in the organization next year it, it would surprise mm-hmm. me um if they ended up being free agents and so I I just think that uh but it is interesting it's interesting because because they're gonna, as you said, they have a this big roster crunch. They only, they right now they have thirty six. I think tomorrow they're saying Hayward will probably be released. Were they saying that it's gonna happen tomorrow, so will drop down to thirty five. Um, so they have they have to they're gonna have this crunch of a whole bunch of Rule Five guys and to figure out. And then they also, you know, they're gonna want to add players because the off season we're talking about them going out and spending. So they have to figure out where are these all these spots gonna come from. Um, and so it's interesting, and there's a lot of teams out there that have this kind of issue, like the Tampa Bay Rays are one of them. They're out there trying to find trades because they don't want to just let all these guys go. Um, so it, it's I it's just it's just an interesting time period. And the tender deadline was pushed up, like it used to be December 2nd, and now this year it's November 18th, which is the same date of the 40 man date you have to get guys on to um protect them from the rule five draft, which is kind of random. It just happened to work out that way this year, and so November 18th is gonna be big day november 18th excuse me it's gonna be a big day are going i think you're gonna see a lot of trades that day of minor players nothing major but you're gonna see a lot of and it's gonna be interesting maybe the cubs make a couple minor trades like there's probably gonna be guys on this roster crunch that rule five guys that they can't protect that they like that some other team might have interest in and you'll get a lower level prospect back so like that's something that i think that's gonna be a big day for transactions
0: well how about this i hope bradwick finds a way to stick around yeah, I know he's older. He's got some injury issues here. He's been a fun guy to cheer for. I think the last few years, you get big lefty on the mound there, Randall. You're pulling for a guy like that. So hopefully he can work it out. Maybe start in Iowa and have a chance to work himself back on the roster next year.
1: Definitely, you know, a guy who came back from that heart issue. So
0: yeah, that's that's,
2: uh. that's not just a, an elbow or a shoulder. That's a that's a quality of life matter yep. that he got fixed. So you're you're certainly rooting for him to make his way back to baseball from that.
0: Yeah, I hope the best for him. Well, speaking of pitchers, another transaction here pertaining to the Cubs here. Lefty Drew Smiley declining his mutual option for 2023, so he's a free agent. Uh, Obviously, a possibility exists that the Cubs work something out with him. He's rumored to want a multi-year deal, 33-year-old left-hander. Jeremy, what type of priority do you see here with Drew Smiley? You know, he's got some injury issues, a little bit older, but the Cubs do need some pitching. What, What do you do here?
1: See, I'm kind of biased here because I've always liked Drew Smiley. I liked him when they signed him on the Tommy John surgery, Now was kind of sad when he went away. And I think – I know we'll go over it probably in the future, but I think they had some pretty good predictions for him this year, like leading the team in strikeouts maybe or something in their preseason show. So, it's yeah, it's been something that they kind of mentioned kind of throughout the year that, like, there's interest kind of both ways in Drew Smiley coming back. I, I like the idea of bringing him back. Um, I don't know if I would put him like – I think they really need a starter, obviously a top-end starter. And, you know, we talked about them – also, possibly getting a mid-tier starter, so I, I think I like having him for depth. And if he's interested in staying, I think they can work something out where they bring him back. But um, I don't know if he would be top of mind like the top guy. I think it might he kind of might might linger into the off a little bit.
2: Yeah, I don't know that he's a priority, but a, a two year deal or maybe even two years with an option that's fine. I think you'd want to make it incentive laden. I think you'd want to. Uh, Put in incentives for games started, games pitched in. Because as Jeremy said, he's had some injury issues, uh, some of which popped up this year. So I think the Cubs would want to protect themselves at least a little bit if they were to sign him to that multi year deal he's looking for. And again, he's not necessarily a top priority, but I would have no problem bringing him back for that multi year deal that he's looking for. Um, again, it, it just it shouldn't be their top priority. And, you know, Jed Hoyer can chew and walk gum at the same time. He's not going to. Sign Drew Smiley at the expense of somebody else, but he just can't be your top priority. I actually think
1: that, and if Drew is opening to it, if he's open to it, that you know, I think he would be a decent guy to work out of the pen and also pot, you know, as a swing guy, maybe start a a few games. I think his stuff probably would play up. I think being a lefty that could pitch to both sides would be kind of an important role. Uh, so if he's he, if he was open to that, you know, maybe he's probably get a few starts. In a year, because you know you always have injuries, you always have guys missing starts, and then also coming out of the bullpen, I think you know I, I would like to see him in that role, and so that could be something that I think Jed might want to actually get done.
2: Yeah, and I'm not against that at all necessarily because the stuff was decent starting, and of course, decent stuff often ticks up to better than decent stuff when you're pitching out of the pen. My only concern there would be you've then got three guys who are potentially ticketed as being your kind of bulk guys, the guys who are going to work two or three innings per game, two or three times a week for you, in Alzale and Thompson, and then you would be adding Smiley to that mix. I would just be concerned that you're not necessarily – equipping your bullpen properly. Otherwise, if you've got three kind of so-called long relievers in the bullpen. And of course, uh, we this is a smart front office. This is a smart manager. They'd make it work. I would just not necessarily want to use too many of those spaces on these bulk guys because it, it's going to make it difficult to specialize in other areas of the bullpen.
1: Yeah, see, for me, that doesn't really, I don't, that doesn't really concern me at all. I I just feel like those are kind of labels, Um, because I can see, you know, each of those guys getting one inning and being lights out, so it's not really like, you know, I, for me, it's like, put the best pitchers in, maybe you can have a, you know, spot for a couple guys, but like, if guys can pitch long and short, that's a positive to me.
0: Well, another pitcher, veteran-type pitcher that was named the last couple days, apparently Corey Kluber. On the Cubs' radar, had the uh, full season here with Tampa Bay. We remember him, of course, from the 2016 World Series. Remember he, the, he we'll forget the that. Indians at the time? Uh, Randall, Corey Kluber. What do you think?
2: I put Corey Portgik. Yeah, I put Corey Kluber. Easy for me to say. I put him even a notch or two below Smiley. If you're able to bring him in on that cheap contract and get he can provide you some depth, assuming he stays healthy, that's fine. And I don't think anyone will disagree with me. He needs to not be your big move for the off season. He needs to not be your priority. If you're able to work something out where he's, you know, able to pitch on the incentive laden contract, 36 year old with a lot of injury history, that's fine. Depth is always a good thing. He absolutely cannot be number one on their list. And I don't think he is. He's just on their radar. And, you know, we don't know what the radar looks like. Probably a lot of guys on that radar, but, um, he he absolutely cannot be your priority. I don't think he is, but you need to do a whole lot more than Corey Kluber.
1: I think uh, I I'm, and another guy I'm probably biased towards because um, I liked him before when they, he was working out. Uh, I think a couple years ago, and he signed with the Yankees. I remember the Cubs were watching him, and I and I was like, I think that's a good buy low candidate. Um, and so yeah, I, I like I like Kluber. I think he's another guy that you know kind of could be on the edge there of being in the rotation, maybe getting a rotation spot. But uh, I, I, I like I, I. wouldn't be opposed if they if they bring him in. I wouldn't. It would. It wouldn't be something that I'm opposed to. But I just don't know necessarily how he would fit. I do see them kind of maybe adding a starter, but uh, I I don't think you def- I don't know if you could bring Kluber and Smiley in. I don't know if you could do both of them. But like you know, he's clearly not what he was as a young starter, obviously. But he's still he's still. Pitches decently. He's still an okay guy and he he doesn't he didn't walk like a lot any batters last year. Doesn't walk anybody and he gets weak contact. So if they want to bring in Corey Kluber to like kind of be in that role at the back of the rotation, I would not be opposed to it.
0: Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point there with Kluber in he doesn't walk anybody. Strikeout numbers are down, certainly from his peak. The guy won multiple Cy Young awards, was an awesome pitcher, but it's kind of cool in that he had a 30 start season. He hadn't done that since 2018. Maybe there's something in the tank here. There's some older pitchers that find a way to keep it going. I say that, though. This is not a priority at all to me. When I actually saw the headline yesterday, the first thing that came to mind to me was, all right, realistically, how many players are on the Cubs' radar right now? Like, there's 50? How many yeah. players do you think are on the Cubs' radar right now? That Andre radar, Anderson. that
2: radar has a lot of dots on it as the, as the yeah. dish spins and it pings. There's a lot of dots on that radar yeah. and, and we'll get into this later. Cause you love talking about how much I love talking about rumors, which is not very much, but it, it's one of those statements that doesn't really say anything team interested in player. How many different variations of that do we hear across the, the off season? It's just no shit that a team is interested in a player. It, it's one of those headlines that pretends to say something, but doesn't actually mean anything.
1: Yeah. Obviously there's going to be, you know, tons of pitchers on the club's radar, radar or, or yeah. players in general, because, you know, you, you can't just write anybody off. I'm sure there's players that they don't like necessarily that they probably, you know, aren't really interested in signing, but you know, anybody could be like, who knows who's going to want, who values, who like, maybe you like this player, you like that player, but this guy's going to sign a bigger guy. Yeah. Ends up signing a bigger contract because somebody else really liked him. And so you're going to have tons of guys. I I doubt that they're like, they're at the start of the offseason, their radar is probably, you know, it's got to be probably 40, 50 pitchers on there. far more
2: interesting than the question of who is on the Cubs radar or the the sentence of a player being on a team's radar far more interesting is the mental image to me of the Cubs actually having like a massive Doppler radar dish atop Wrigley and it's just constantly spinning and telling them the locations of the free agents like we've got a Kluber storm moving in at real high speeds here Uh, you should take the necessary precautions that's more entertaining to me than the notion of a, a player being on a team's
0: radar is the actual mental image of a literal radar. Uh, that would be something you'd like, Randall. Yes. I will say I I like these stories because it gives me an excuse to hop on baseball reference or fan graphs, pull up a player and take a look. I would not have looked at Corey Kluber yesterday. I wasn't thinking about him. He certainly isn't top of mind for me when I think of guys the Cubs need to get this offseason. But then you see, oh yeah, I remember, damn, he was better than I actually remember six, seven years ago. And you start to see trends and things that It's fun to do that. It's fun to track different players across different teams. That's the fun that I see in it.
1: Yeah. And it's also to me, it's fun to like, you know, discuss it. Like, how would he fit? How would he be on the Cubs? Like, you know, it's it's fun to see your team interested, e- even though you know they're going to be interested in, in tons of guys. But it's fun to see yeah. your team linked to somebody. And it's like, oh, that could be a possibility. Maybe that will work or maybe that won't work. I would hate that. So uh, I for me, I'm, I'm a fan. Anything that gets me thinking about baseball, thinking about the Cubs, thinking about how they all work together. I love it. I, I can't get enough.
2: And Ronan, I know how, again, I know how much you love the speaking of being linked to uh, Mm. everyone's favorite reporter, Bruce Levine, uh, interesting individual that he is. It looks like he reports that the Cubs may act quickly on Jose Obreyu formerly of the Chicago White Sox. Everyone's heard of him. I know you are a big Abreu guy, both as a player and as the, the being able to poke. Randall, what are you going to do with a former White Sox on the team like that? I know you're a big Abreu guy. What are your thoughts on this notion of the Cubs acting quickly to sign him, getting him on the roster?
0: Well, first, I would call him a White Sox, not a White sock, because they but, are an X. I don't yeah, think it's the but, same. I, mean, I don't, I don't think it's the, the single- same. Isn't the singular of white
2: socks white sock like aren't you a no, white sock No because it's
0: SOX it's not SOC yeah, I mean you're a, you're Sox. a
2: cub cuz you're on the cubs you're a white sock cuz you're on the white socks I you're don't, a I blue don't, Yeah you I know it's, think it's it works that, that way. X, No, it's the literal literal X uh, factor.
0: I like a brave. And I love the idea of the Cubs doing this. Uh, Bruce is really going in on this. Like this has been his story for a couple of weeks, and he doubled down here now at the start of free agency. We also got the report about the White Sox payroll, which makes it certain. We already knew this, but it makes it certain. Uh, Bruce not coming back to the uh, South Side.
2: He gone, I believe he is how they pronounce yeah. <laughs> it on that in that part of uh, the city.
0: I really like this though. I'm as excited as anybody about Matt Mervis. I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs next year at Rigby Field. He should not be the everyday guy and he should not be handed that job going into spring training. So here you got a guy who, no, he's not a great defender. Yeah, the power numbers, the home runs were down the second half of last season and overall on the year, still a ton of doubles. I think you get this guy in a two-year deal. You've got him and Mervis. You've got a guy who can DH, a guy who can play a little bit of first base this is a perfect scenario for the Cubs. Let's make it happen. And let's do it at the beginning of free agency. Set the tone here. You don't get Jose Abreu to go lose 90 games next year. You go to try and do something. And that may start a domino effect in free agency.
2: Yeah. I I was not super keen on this the first time you brought it up, but that of course was because I was paying zero attention to Jose Abreu and the white Sox, Uh, Like you said, the name was brought up. I looked it up and I realized, wow, he had a pretty solid season last year. Like you said, the power numbers were down, but the rate stats were all in good shape. And like you said, a tandem of Jose Abreu and Matt Mervis as your your first base slash DH rotation, you could do a whole lot worse than that if Mervis projects out to be anything positive. I think you could do a whole lot worse than a Jose Abreu-Matt Mervis combination at first base. And again, he'll he bring the the kind of veteran presence you want in that dugout in general and for the Spanish-speaking younger players. I think he would do very good things for this team. It's attractive to him, as Jeremy has said on a number of occasions. He doesn't really have to leave the city and keep his his very nice home somewhere. Uh, I'm I'm with you. I'm all for this. I think that would be a great early jump the market move to get him in a, a different color of pinstripe while keeping the same city name on his jersey.
1: I'll go for the sweep. Yeah. I I have three for three here. I think that Jose Abreu would fit perfectly. I mean, I would prefer if I had my choice uh, Mm. out of all the players, I would prefer, you know, a reunion with our boy, Anthony Rizzo, but I I don't think that's a possibility with the qualifying offer. I don't think they and not that I thought he would ever, you know, come back, but they're definitely not going to give up a draft pick to bring Rizzo back with Abreu, uh, you know, out there. Yeah. He's older. He still hits the ball hard though. His, his hard hit rates were all very, um, positive. I'm actually a little surprised by that. I, I expected him to, you know, be crashing and it, it never really occurred. And we know he hits the ball well at Wrigley Field. I mean, we've oh, all seen yeah. that plenty oh, of yeah. times. So, um, you know, there. So I, I'm a fan. I agree with you, Ronan, hundred percent. I don't, I you can't go into next year giving Matt Mervis the starting spot at no. any starting spot you, you can't go in next year with Matt Mervis as like a key guy on the Cubs roster um so like you can't just hand him anything in my opinion I think you you bring in Abreu you you work a, you know if Mervis shows in the spring you work him in there maybe he can take over the job maybe Abreu you know falters and Mervis becomes the guy but I don't think you can go in there handing it to him and giving it to him so I think that he's got that's something he for and work for and so i like having it i like having that idea that you know he, he has this guy to mentor him um obviously he you know did it with andrew vaughn you could say and mm-hmm. then i'd like the idea of nervous having to be like okay there's a guy i have to go beat out you know this guy I have to hit better than to if i want to play first base for the chicago cubs in 2023 and so i i, I think it's a perfect fit i think mm-hmm. uh i was bringing jose abreu in i would i would love it
2: i just have one request if the Cubs sign Jose Abreu, he had a habit of wearing like a little like beard ponytail. Oh like yeah, putting a rubber band in his beard. Can Throw we can longer? we not do that? No, no I, I, wrong, no, no, wrong. No. wrong. Oh, okay, we have so to keep wrong. it. We have Absolutely. to keep it. All right, it's all right. Oh, make it. All bigger. right, well, I'll, it I'll submit. Bigger. I'll submit my request. Don't you formally. want players
1: with personality,
2: Randall? I love players with personality. It's just it's just aesthetically aesthetically it's not pleasing. I love players with personality. I, I, you, I love you get it. A player with personality without having a rubber band in your beard. You two are not mutually exclusive.
1: If you look
0: at you know, wear it. Was that Joe yep. Madden?
2: Yeah, that was, that was a Joe Madden. Yeah. There
0: well, I love it. I think it's awesome. And I love, I love beards. I love how beards are all over baseball now too. And you got the big ones, the Charlie Blackman's of the world, guys like that, you know, Brandon Marsh, 1980s. you watch a lot of this week in baseball from the eighties. You got mustaches, you got sideburns, but you don't have a ton of beards. And we got beards back in baseball. I think it's a good thing as a bearded that's, man.
2: That's the thing about beards is they grow on you.
0: Oh, I, think, I, th- I
1: think we need to go back to mustaches, which is why I like Dylan Cease and Spencer Strider, you know, just really working those mustaches. I think that's the thing.
0: I'm impressed with that too, honestly. I, I love that Cease has that look, and uh, bummer. He's got to do it on the south side, though. I got one other thought on Abreu, though, and maybe I'm overreacting here a little bit because I was on the record, and I'm saying I want Abreu Mervis. That, to me, is the best situation going Agreed. into next year, best realistic situation going into next year. I, I am worried about the defense though. Like Abreu is not a great defensive first baseman. Everything we've read on Mervis is he's not a good. Average. He's average.
2: Average at best, I think.
0: But something that I think could be a limitation for him as he extends his career in the majors. Defense is going to be critical for the Cubs next year. They got a whole bunch of really good defensive infielders and maybe more coming. Should I be worried about what you get defensively or is it uh, the offense is probably going to offset it? I I think it's a
2: little both. I think Mervis is probably the better defender of the two, but it's not really a high bar. You know, I think better defenders at uh, the other infield positions will make the first baseman look better by proxy. Sometimes it's the other way around. But I think if you have defenders who are making good strong throws, good chest high throws at the first baseman are not constantly going to have to be picking out of the dirt. I think you'll worry about it less. So I think the other infield positions are going to play a big role in that.
1: I'm not super worried about it. I, I I don't want them playing any of these guys in left field or right field. I can tell you that much. I, I <laughs> don't want Matt <laughs> playing left field next year, no. but uh, I, I and, and luckily, you know, with the Cubs, now we do have this DH spot. So if, if any real issues show, we, we're, we're going to have somebody to pull, somebody's going to have to be the DH. So, but yeah, I do think that the team is going to focus heavily on a lot of positions at defense. So you're going to, I think you, you might want a position where a you want somebody to hit. And so I think having Abreu at first base, I, I think it fits. I just think it's a good fit. And so I, I, I'm not super worried about it.
2: it my, I think my big thing would be, um, we know, again, we know Bregu is was never a great defender and he certainly hasn't gotten any better. I will say Matt Mervis, everything we've read, as you referenced, just references that he has a work ethic that is uh, 15 out of 10. And I like to think that, if he has the peace of mind knowing that he has made a major league ball club at some point that he will. And even if he has it, even if he's still at Iowa, that he will double down and he will make himself the best first defensive first baseman he can possibly be. I haven't read anything that says he's a complete butcher there. I haven't read anything that says he's a DH playing first base. We of course are spoiled because we saw platinum glove winner, Anthony Rizzo, yeah. Over there, picking balls out of the dirt, making fantastic throws across the diamond, doing everything else that he did for a number of years. So we are spoiled in watching first base defense. Uh, I don't know that the Cubs will ever quite have a defensive first base of that caliber. I don't want to say ever again, but it's going to be a little while at best. So I think you hope that Matt Mervis is able to, and I think he will, put in all the possible work to do that and make himself at least a passable defensive first baseman. And if you have the two of them on the roster and you're starting Abreu at first base, you can make Mervis, your late-inning defensive guy, uh, more able to make a play over there at first base. So that would be my hope uh, for Mervis as far as defense.
1: I just, yeah, I just hope that you know. I I just like the idea of like I, I said earlier of of ha- Mervis having somebody he has to work to get that job. You know, yeah. I, I just don't like the idea of him going into next year, whether it be you know first base, uh, him being the guy or whatever. I just think that you know he's proven a lot this year. He's he's shot up. Uh, obviously, uh, like nobody was really thinking about him coming into the year. He had a poor year last year. Um, even though they signed him for a decent amount of money uh, as he was undrafted in only the five-round draft in 2020. But then he he hit like a ton, and he hit at every single level. He hit in the Arizona Fall League. He's the Fall Star MVP. So, I, he, yeah, he puts himself on the radar in spring training as a guy. Like maybe next year you do put him on the roster opening day. But I don't like the idea of um, him being the guy. So right now if you sign a first baseman – I, I still think he'd probably start in Iowa, which would be fine. But and if he hits in Iowa, you call him up, you know, and then you find ways to get him in the lineup. Just don't put him in left field.
2: <laughs> Jeremy, it's funny you mentioned that, of course, he hit at every level. Uh, a very informative tweet I saw today from at Cub Prospects. That's Brian Smith, Brian with a Y, who, of course, writes about the minor leagues for Bleacher Nation. He uh, actually compiled Mervis's entire 2022 season stats, and this includes Uh, High A, double A, triple A, the AFL. And as he says, just for fun, the Fall Stars game. That's 155 games. It's 649 plate appearances. Mervis hit 304 on base at 373. He slugged 608. He drove in 133 runs, 43 home runs, 87 extra base hits. He walked walked at an 8.5% clip. He struck out at a 17.7% clip. Those are really good numbers over a pretty extensive sample size of a minor league season you know minor leagues do not transfer to the major the history of the game is littered with lots of great players who couldn't hit in the major leagues but as far as proving himself in the minors I certainly think he did that in 2022 they'll probably make him do it to an extent a little bit in 2023 but you can't say he didn't hit this year not that you are saying he didn't hit this year but I don't think anybody can say he did not hit in the minor leagues this year
1: yeah I I would say that you know, and Alexander Canario, who also hit 37 bombs this year, had a monster year. I think that that's probably the best minor league season of a Cubs hitter since, I think, I want to say 2014, when Chris Bryant hit. Since KB, yeah. And Jose Baez hit about 37 homers, and they both put up monster years. And I would say uh, that's probably the best offensive minor league
0: season since those, since those guys. Well, I am ready for big bombs from first base next year at Wrigley Field. Sheffield, Waveland, playing them DH, you know, if the other ones start at first, that's going to be a ton of fun watching those guys knock the ball around Wrigley Field, and it's going to be a huge weapon in the middle of the Cubs lineup. I'm, I'm ready for it.
2: And and don't forget that Murphys comes with a fantastic built-in nickname, Mash Mervis. I mean, that that's the sort of thing you can talk about at the bar with the, uh, the Cratchity Cubs fans. Just mention Mash Mervis to them. And it'll play in Peoria, as they say.
0: I'd, I'd like to see him with a little lush Warbur territory there on top of that video board and right. Just drop a couple balls up there, a couple more over it onto Sheffield. Uh, that's going to be some of the best highlights next summer. And I think it's going to happen. I really think I, – I hope Levine's report is right. This would be a perfect way to start the offseason, get a bat in the lineup, address first base. And it's not going to cost that much. Two years, that's the magic number, at least in my head, and maybe they make it happen. And then, boy, imagine the – I don't know if Bruce Levine drinks, but if Bruce Bruce Levine drinks, big beer that night if he called this, because he's been calling it for weeks, that this is something the Cubs would be doing.
2: Well, if he drinks and he's not in the mood for something alcoholic, he can have a juice Levine so
0: wow all right man uh gosh randall i thought right thought uh, <laughs> randall was gonna say hopefully something like matt
1: mervis won't be playing in peoria at any ever again or well, matt mervis
2: playing in peoria would be a story on a number of levels so i do i do hope oh, that South matt Bear mervis Cubs never play in peoria okay again it would There's be a story peoria,
1: arizona where he could play a that's, spring that, training that, game so maybe that's, he will tr- play that's true peoria. so
2: maybe he will play in peoria arizona he may also play in surprise even though he's been told about it for months
0: yeah what about this headline yesterday? The Cubs apparently will not go, quote, super long for a shortstop. What does that mean? Super Honestly,
2: long. nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Any, anything that starts with reports say, sources say, give me something a little more concrete. <laughs> if you really want to break it down, you've gotten a lot of free agent, not the Cubs, but other teams have signed free agents more recently to these shorter year, but much higher average annual value contracts. Carlos Correa signed one of those just this last offseason. Of course, he opted out after one year because he knows there's a lot more money out there. But you know, if that means the Cubs are only going to go five years for a shortstop, but they're going to pay a guy $30 million a year, whatever. It's not my money. Go out and do it. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in it. But if that's what it means and it's able to get the job done, do it. It doesn't matter to me. You've got all the Chicago Cubs have all the money in the world. It does not matter if they are paying thirty dollar thirty million dollars to a shortstop out of that out of that payroll. It's worth it. Do, it. Do it. Do it if that's what gets the job done.
1: Yeah, I I think that we saw last year that the Cubs did not go super long for any free agents. I mean, you got Marcus Stroman on a three year deal with an opt out after two years. Um, Say a Suzuki five years. That's not a hugely long contract. Um, so yeah, I think you the Cubs will probably try to be creative. In the way that if they're they're gonna go after one of these top end shortstops, I think they're gonna try to do it creatively. I think you look at the Stroman contract, you would argue that's a creative contract, two years opt out after the you know, the second year. So I could see them structuring it in ways kind of like maybe how the twins structured that contract that Randall referenced with uh Korea. I, I don't think they'll get you know only guarantee one year if they're gonna sign somebody, but you know, maybe you, you put in a couple opt outs. They did that with Hayward. I mean, unfortunately it didn't work because he Hayward, did not opt out on any I of those. Mean, Um, I mean, usually the opt out is pretty much always in favor of the player because, you know, if, if they are good, they're going to opt out. And if they're bad, you're stuck with them. But, uh, uh, you know, so that's what I see. I don't, I don't think they're going to sign. I do not think they're going to sign somebody for like an eight year contract. If somebody Mm -hmm. wants an eight year contract, not going to happen, but you know, five six year deal randall mentions a high average annual value maybe there is some sort of creativity in there in the way it's paid out or the way you know an opt-out or some other thing i so like i i just see that i think it's really a time for jed hoyer to show i think he's a really disciplined guy i think he's kind of a moderate guy he's not theo like i'm gonna go out and spend heavy i think he was the moderating stabilizing force and so i think that That's just kind of be how he is. But I do think he's a creative guy. So I think all these contracts, it'll be interesting what they do sign one, what the terms are.
2: Yeah, the, the economics of the game change and evolve over time. And like we've been saying, right now the economics of the game are going where players are okay taking these shorter year, higher average annual value with opt-outs because it used to be, you signed your one big free agent contract in your career and that was it. If you're a 30 year old free agent, you sign a seven or eight year deal, that's your big contract for your career. You're not really going to have a whole lot of opportunity to hit free agency again. Now players are saying, Hey, if you give me an opt out after year two or year three, I can still hit the market as a, you know, on the wrong side of 30, as we say, but still closer to 30. I'm not 36, 37 anymore. The economics of the game change. the economics of the game evolve. And one of the ways they are changing is that players are more willing to take these creative contracts, like Jeremy said. So to whatever extent you want to take the Cubs will not go super long Literally, I don't think that's prohibitive. I think there's lots of ways of working around that. And all it means is that you're going to spend more money. And that's fine. Because again, it's not our money. They're not asking us to kick in $5 to pay for Trey Turner, to pay for well, Carlos Correa. They are asking you to oh, kick Okay, in okay they are. I mean, they on are on the ballpark.
1: But, and they're going but, to the... but you know, it's a payment plan. They're
2: not asking They're not asking for the payment for, from us up front, Jeremy. That's what I mean.
1: No, I know. I'm just joking. To be honest, they could probably afford it without jacking yeah. up your prices. But I will say, I think I, I, you have to be betting on yourself, man, if you're going to accept some of these types of contracts. And you know, that are shorter, not a longer deal. And I think, like, for Korea, I know Trevor Bauer, not that he's in baseball anymore. He nope. had argued that he's going to go year to year, and he signed that contract kind of basically going year to year that didn't work out. And you know, Strowman, we have the shorter deal, but I think for a guy like Korea, I think it just worked out that way because he didn't get the offers he wanted. He wanted the big, huge contract. He never got it. And so he took this kind of shorter deal with the opt-out because he did want to try again next year. No lockout. I think the lockout really screwed up a lot of guys last year. Absolutely. So now he's going to have this whole thing. And so for guy like Correa, I think he will sign a big contract.
2: This is 100% a a do-over year for Carlos Correa, between not getting the offers he wanted and between the lockout just screwing everything up. This is a do-over offseason for a lot of guys, and I think a lot of guys are going to get contracts more in line uh, with what they were expecting last year, if not for everything that made last offseason crap.
0: I saw a mock free agent tracker, Yeah, I think it was Sports Illustrated or something like that, uh, earlier today, and they had Correa to Baltimore. And I thought, ooh, Exactly, exactly how I reacted, yeah. Jeremy. I said, "Ooh, the Orioles. That would be fun. Make it would the be American fun. League uh, East even more of a mess. Be a lot of fun." That's but I was also team. thinking, "Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. They've got a ton of young talent. Mm-hmm. And what if they went out and got Korea? That, that would be really cool to see that play out." But I was thinking earlier today. I think this would be the most fun part of being a Major League General Manager or Director of Baseball Ops. I think this time right now, if you're Jed Hoyer right now, you've got tremendous pressure on your shoulder you've got in the in the baseball world right in the scheme of baseball you've got a very important job here trying to build a winner in chicago after being a part of the last world series champion team you've got a ton of money to spend and you you're there's so much gamemanship in here i was thinking that when this story came out like how much of this is the cubs leaking certain things to certain reporters and agents are doing the same thing you are negotiating with these multi-million dollar athletes you're also competing against other teams And you're doing all of this with a budget in the background where if x happens you've got this much money available if y happens you've got this much money available and there is a possibility if you don't act swiftly enough you will miss out on guys or multiple guys and then you're risking having a disaster of an off season i think these next couple of weeks whining and dining these guys the gamemanship with other gms and baseball ops that's got to be the most fun of being a major league baseball executive
2: and isn't that one of the most fun part of one of the most fun things about being a fan is when your team is able to land that big fish, you read about everything your front office did to convince that guy. I enjoyed reading about what they did to convince Suzuki last offseason. If the Cubs are able to get another big name this offseason, I'm going to enjoy reading about what they did to convince him. That's what I enjoy after the, after the initial joy of saying, hey, the guy signed here. That's good. I like reading about how the team did it because that's entertaining to me. And uh, I don't mean to jump around, but this just came across the wire is some of the names that we were talking about earlier have actually elected free agency. Fran has elected mm. free agency. Brad go. Wick has elected free agency and a couple of other names who sort of contributed this past season. Anderson Espinoza, free agency. Alec Mills Threw a no-hitter for the Cubs in 2020. He has elected free agency, uh, so that makes some of those debates a little more academic at this point.
0: Yep. Well, they can still come back, right? They can. The Cubs, they there's can just indeed. a sea of they other can. teams that are going to be in the bidding now. Uh, yes. But, Jeremy, what do you think? Like, the draft would be fun. Oh, the
1: draft, draft would, be would be a lot of fun. Draft but would be I lava. think the I free think...
0: agent hunt would be – that would be top for me.
1: I think you just want to be in Vegas for the GM meetings. That's what you want. Good time. Sure. Yeah, you Have dinner with Scott Forrest and uh, go out, you know, clubbing with the other GMs. Uh, yeah. I think, I think, you know, as a, I think the trade deadline is probably a lot of fun making calls. It's probably actually just, you know, hell because you're nonstop getting contacted by people and making calls and all this stuff, but, you know, fun. And I think, you know, this period where you're leading up to the winter meetings Everything you're setting the groundwork, you're you're keeping tabs on guys, meeting with agents, talking to guys, figuring out where, you know, what, what's everybody's timeline here? You're getting you're getting your videos from Trey Turner narrated by John Hamm, uh, you know, to promote some certain guys. So I yeah, I think it would be a, a fun uh time period to to be in that process of, of signing these guys to be the guy, the GM and, ha- and you know, talking to all these guys. Cause you want to know, you want to know, like as Randall mentioned, you know, or I believe you mentioned actually of when's the guy going to sign, you're going to miss a guy or whatever. So you want to know the timeline of each player. I'm sure, you know, Scott Boris represents a lot of players and I'm sure when Jed had dinner with him, he's like, okay, but, you know, where each of these players, what, how are they thinking? Do they want to wrap this up soon? Are they are they going to be waiting around? You, you want to know all those decisions so you can prepare your offers and know when to prepare your offers.
2: And uh Scott Boris, I respect him. I think he does the best possible job for his players. I don't have a whole lot of use for when he holds court and, you know, the carnival barks about his players, but that that's fine. I don't need to have a use for it. I would love to have dinner with the guy just once just to see – where a guy like Scott Boris goes for dinner because we know how much money that man makes. I, I I just can't imagine where a guy like that goes for dinner. I imagine it's the kind of place that I will never eat at because I'm not allowed
0: in. Steakhouse. Yeah,
2: yeah. The, the steakhouse where the steak is covered in the edible gold um, and they, they, they charge a whole lot extra for that. I'd be very interested to have dinner with Scott Boris just to see what kind of place a guy like Scott Boris eats at.
1: Randall, I am absolutely, well, I guess I'm not super stunned, but I'm stunned you don't like the Scott Boris. As a man of puns, how could you not end respect- dad jokes? I respect all the that. The work but how can does... you not like the Scott the Scott Boris scrum? I guess
2: I, I respect the work he does for his players. He he does the best possible job for his players, and his players pay him very handsomely for that service. It's just when he you know holds court in front of uh, all the microphones and everything, and he says, "Well, my player deserves a ten-year deal." It's like, "Oh, okay, Scott. Thank you. I, we we understand your your opinion on the subject." I just don't have a whole lot of use for the carnival barking. As an agent, he does his job. He does it well, and that means getting more money for the players, which is. Better than the money being in the pockets of the owners, and that's fine. You can respect a guy and the work that he does, while not necessarily needing to hear him in front of a microphone. Is but all.
1: all the puns and the dad jokes and everything This is all right up your alley. This is what you do. I can't. You just. I can't believe you. You, you don't like well, may, a guy maybe doing it. Maybe Scott
2: can throw some money my way to be his writer, and my tune will change on that. Scott, you know where to find me. I'm on Twitter.
0: One other fun general manager perk, I think. End with this interviewing manager candidates. I think that would be so much fun and just messing with them over the course of the year. Cause I feel like these teams and maybe I'm speaking way out of my element right now. I feel like when you're getting ready to hire a manager, it's not remotely an even playing field and that you've got a guy in mind and he either comes in and he, he just earns it. Or he is just a mess and he literally talks himself out of a job that otherwise would have had. So I think going through the manager interview process, getting to pick the brains of these guys that are dying for one of these coveted jobs, that'd be a fun thing to sit in on. I'd enjoy that.
1: I, I agree with you. I I would love to sit, on that, sit in on that. And, you know, just to figure out what everybody's thinking in these situations. I would actually love... To be the guy writing the con—I'm not necessarily writing them—but to be the guy, you know, figuring out what's going in all these contracts and all the different perks and everything, and Mm. just actually get it down and you know signed because it's like, you know, how are we going to figure out all the money and and how are we how are we evaluating it? And I I think that would be interesting.
0: I think it also serves as like an audit for your front office because you're bringing in people from other teams that have different systems and processes. Maybe they bring something up in that interview that you hadn't thought about, or you didn't think about it that way that this person is selling themselves on. I think that's good for a franchise, like just to be exposed to that, to bring these minds in and just to get a a peek under the rug maybe, right? Of some of these other organizations. And then you get to tell the guy, hey, you didn't get the job. So you you get to you know, get some advice out of them and then say, oh, by the way, we're going with Rossi. So we'll see ya.
1: Well, the Cubs went through that basically last year with their GM search, right? You know, I'm sure those interviews were fascinating with Carter Hawkins obviously won it. They had a final four contestants. They hired a couple of other assistant GMs too, you know. So I'm sure all of those interviews were fascinating of auditing basically the organization. I would love to have heard how Carter Hawkins pitched himself to Jed Hoyer.
0: And I wonder if he had to do any of those mock press conferences that the uh, Cubs had been doing uh, uh, a couple uh, years uh, prior to that. Uh, something also would have been super fun to watch. The
1: locker game, the locker room speech that David Ross had to give. Yeah.
0: Uh other contract related thing here for the Cubs, Wilson Contreras was extended a qualifying offer. He declined it. So he's a free agent. Randall, where is Wilson Contreras next season?
2: New York Yankees.
0: Hmm.
1: Roy Tigers, man. Teaming up with Javi. You got Scott Harris, a former Cubs. Assistant GM up there is present now in, in, in Detroit. Detroit Tigers teaming with Javi. All I'm
0: right. on a similar page with you, Jeremy. I would love to see him in Denver, Colorado as a Colorado Rocky next season. Him and KB hitting home runs here at Coors Field. I You know, Rockies are weird, right? And they could use an upgrade, uh, designated hitter type, catcher type. Uh, maybe Wilson ends up here, at course. Him and KB, 40 bombs each next year. That'd be interesting. Works for me. It's
2: just uh, you know where I don't want him to go. I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to put it out there. not going to put it out in the universe.
0: Uh, something else I wanted to jump to here. A number of top of the rotation pitchers have become available, free agents right now, and one claim today. Uh, apparently, Clayton Kershaw about to ink another one-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So he's out of the mix here. The three of us have said, what's up, Randall?
2: Uh, you, We were discussing before the show, you asked, did anyone see a number? on the Clayton Kershaw contract. Sounds like it will be right around the $17 million he made last year. So one year, about $17 million for Clayton Kershaw.
0: Well, we've all said the Cubs need a top of the line starter. We've said, yeah, they could also go via trade and get it. But of these free agent starters, are the Cubs in on any of these guys? Just a couple names here. Carlos Rodon, Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander. Uh, Stretching maybe here a little bit, Chris Bassett. He had a great year, but maybe not a top of the rotation guy. Any of these guys, realistically, the Cubs are in on?
2: You need to be in on DeGrom. You need to at least check in. You need to see what it would take. I think more realistically is probably Carlos Rodon. Uh, I would love to see them get DeGrom. I think that would just be fantastic. I think that would be uh, as much of a signal as you could possibly put out there that the Cubs are trying to win again. I think Rodan is probably the more realistic candidate, and I'm okay with that as long as he stays healthy or as long as you protect him or protect the contract in the event that he doesn't stay healthy. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think Rodon is definitely probably the guy they'll be most in on, on, on this list. I think he's probably the one they'd be most interested in, in terms of, you know, just signing. I, I think that, I think, I actually think Verlander would be a guy that they'll probably check in on. And, and you know, they were close with Verlander a couple of years ago and they didn't want to pay for him. Uh, and then he went out and dominated with the Astros. Verlander wanted to come to the Cubs. I don't. I don't think you know. I think Verlander will probably. I. I probably think he'll probably go back to Houston. But who knows where he'll go? But I. I just. Degrom obviously an elite pitcher. I would love to have Degrom. I'm sure they'll check in on him. Um. I just don't really see him kind of being with the Cubs as that fit. You know. I. I feel like he's somebody's going to just pay a ton of money that the Cubs probably won't want to get up into. Yeah. So I think that Rodon is just kind of that guy that. But I like I said I think they'll also probably check in with Furlander, see where it all goes and be kind of in that hunt until Furlander decides where he's going to want to go.
0: Well, let's uh, take a little opinion time here, make a prediction. Let's put it that way. Trade signing or extension. So more so that than like a 40 man move or something like that. Uh, what's the first thing the Cubs do here this offseason? Randall is eager to jump in with an answer. My number one here is I
2: think they sign a guy who just had his option declined today. I think that's Kevin Kiermaier, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays. He's not going to hit a whole lot. There's not a whole lot of bat there for the career. The OPS plus is 98, so he's been below average slightly for his career. Last year in 2022, OPS plus of 89, so he was pretty well below average. But he's going to play a real good center field for you. He's going to hold down that position until hopefully one of Brennan Davis or Pete Crow Armstrong can take that position over. You hope maybe playing at Wrigley will let the offense play up just a little bit. I don't know that there's a whole lot Wrigley can do for him, but that's my first move is bringing in this glove first caretaker center fielder Two year deal, maybe with an option for a third year, uh, and putting Kevin Kiermaier as your everyday center fielder, keeping the position warm for some of the more interesting names below him. So that is my first move of the Chicago Cubs offseason
1: Randall is very eager to get that one in. Yeah, yeah, that that was also my first move. So we see why he was so eager. I, I thought Kevin Kiermaier is the perfect fit. You know, roundon mentioned that his brother is head groundskeeper at Wrigley Field. Well, that's your uh, that's your
2: factor, Jeremy. I didn't want to yeah. take that away from you. I know that's your so big that- thing.
1: So that Kevin Kiermaier works pretty well. and he's a, a played at Parkland, which is at Parkland Junior College, which is in Champaign, Illinois. He's from Indiana. So I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to say I think that they do um, you know, I think they 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 probably make a trade actually pretty early on. I, I do think they will make a trade. I think they might bring in a starter. I'm not exactly sure who, but I could see them making an early kind of trade for a, a starter that, you know, not an elite starter, not a top end guy, but another guy to fit into the into the staff. So I think that's that's kind of where they go. I do think they bring make a trade for a starter early on in this offseason.
0: So initially, you're both thinking Kiermeyer, mm-hmm. Jeremy Randall was squirming way more than you. So jumped over to him there first, just flagging me down, waving to get my attention. Uh, I'm I'm drinking Bruce Levine's uh, info here. Right? I'm saying the Cubs sign Abreu in time for the Bears game on Sunday. He wow. wants to stay in Chicago. Sign sealed, delivered. Offseason has started. The Cubs have answered and filled in a big hole. So I'm, I, I want that to happen. I think it'd be great. Let's start off the offseason with it.
2: Sign him before the Bears game on Sunday. March <laughs> him out there at Soldier Field in a Cubs jersey and watch a miniature Civil War develop right
0: there on the lakefront. We'll be cheered by both sides, right? So it'll be a unifying moment. Unifying moment there Uh, would be fun, but I'd like to see the Cubs kick things off with that Uh, one other thing here on this front apparently the story that broke a couple days ago Wilson Contreras was apparently nearly a Houston Astro and dusty but more so ownership didn't sign off on it it didn't happen here. Uh, kind of an interesting nugget. I wasn't expecting this story to pop up in the last few days.
2: I was definitely not when I saw it from uh, Jeff Passan. Nice of him to uh, unlock it so that everybody could read it. Uh, But yeah, the Cubs and Astros had this deal in place to trade Jose Contreras, not Jose Contreras, that really would be a story. Wilson Contreras for Jose Urquidy, who's been mediocre as a starting pitcher, but there's a lot of years of team control left on him. And Astros ownership didn't sign off on it in part because Dusty did not like the act acquisition. The team wasn't sold on Contreras' glove. They planned to use him as the DH. And Dusty, I'm not going to quote Dusty's complete rambling here, but he didn't want to worry about playing time and at-bats for a guy approaching free agency uh, who's going to want all the playing time he can get so he can make that free agent money. And boy, I tell you, when I saw Dusty trashing Wilson Contreras, I I gritted my teeth, a little bit of smoke came out my ears. Like, come on, come on, Dusty. Wilson Wilson's done great things in this game. You got a little more respect for him.
1: I don't know if he was necessarily trashing him, but yeah, yeah I mean, no he way. was
2: saying he didn't want to acquire the player. So well, not yeah. trashing
1: him, but he had, re- he, he had his reasons. And uh I, and to me, I thought the most interesting part of that was the fact that they would trade him for Jose or and not, you know, prospects or whatever. Um, So that that to me tells me that or maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that they are looking to compete. Right. Like if you're going to trade Wilson Contreras for a a guy who's three years into team control, uh, he only has three years left of team control. He's a starter. You know, he's had um, some issues, but he's been, for the most part, a perfectly fine starter in his career. Um, You're not trading him for prospects. I I feel like that's a move you're making because you want to fill out your team next year so or in the near future so like that's the read to me i had on it so hopefully that means that
0: they're out there looking for players for 2023 to really compete Yeah, I didn't think Dusty was taking a shot at Wilson there. Um, But boy, different timeline. He's playing for the Astros. Might have another World Series ring. Who knows how everything would have played out if that thing had gone through. Uh, One other Cubs note here I wanted to mention pertains to Wrigley Field. Nothing to do with the roster, but the new LED lights installed at Wrigley Field, if you follow the team on things like Instagram or Twitter, really cool behind the scenes. And some history on the initial light installation, which was neat. I have one ask, though. And this is common now. You put these LED lights into ballparks. Team, it's a home run. It's like a strobe show at the ballpark. Please don't do that, Cubs. Please, please, please don't do that after home runs. They have said nothing on it. Bit of a mystery until the first night game next year. But I'm a little bit worried about this because this is kind of the in thing right now in Major League Baseball.
2: And Ronan, I know you perked up when you, when you heard the Cubs changing out the LED lights. You've got a radar. And anytime the Cubs change Wrigley, Your radar goes off. Doesn't matter where you are. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Your radar pings. There's things on your radar. Um, Yeah, you know, they've kept themselves pretty in check with the video board. I know you were at one point worried they would do things like the kiss cam and the make noise, and they've kept themselves pretty restrained on stuff like that during the games. I would hope that they take your lead and do not start flashing those LED lights uh, after a home run. And by the way, you did mention it is pretty neat. They, of course, they lower those lights into place from helicopter. They don't build them up from below. They bring them in from above, and they secure them in place. So that is that is really neat to see. And it, uh, it raises the question, how many helicopters does it take to change a light bulb?
1: Yeah, and I, I'm thinking... You know, you put some colors in there, right? You know, you get them all different colors. You get your blue, you get your red, you get it all flashing all over the field. You know, you got the 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 whoop or or you, excuse me, you got the the music going um, after the homer. So you know, I, I think it's gonna be party time. That's what they're gonna do, right? And I know
2: you guys are very excited for that. Just well, keep, it, and, keep it godly. That's all I'm asking.
0: And if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, the Yankees do it at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. I saw the Sox introduced it recently. The thing that the Rockies do, which is also fairly common, and I'm curious for you guys. Well, let, let's clarify this. Are you both against the flashing lights after home runs?
2: Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm, it's, I'm, it's, I'm unnecessary. It. Okay. it's unnecessary. Okay. I'm against
0: it. The other common way that teams do it, the Colorado Rockies do it this way. Talk about the excitement. Daniel Bard coming in to close a ball game. They got the intro video. Then they do this light show as the closer comes in from the bullpen. That's the other option for the Cubs. Are you in favor of that or not?
2: I'm less against doing the lights funky when your closer is coming in. Um, I'm less against that. I do think it's still a little much for a a ballpark like, like Wrigley, which doesn't need to do those things. But if you told me I had to pick one or the other, flashing lights during a home run or flashing lights for the closer coming in until you told me I had to pick one or the other as you love to do Ronan you love to tell me you have to pick one of these or God knows what will happen I would take the lights flashing as the closer comes in
1: yeah I'm off of both I'm not I'm not a fan of either I I, you know just keep me the the lights. I was joking earlier about the flashing colors. Um, I, I I just keep it all to me. I'm I'm not I'm I prefer neither, so I will Agreed. take neither. And I I just want the lights to be the lights. I'm okay, okay. with them not doing, I, but I expect it. I I hundred percent expect them to, to to play around with them after a big moment or uh, you know they do things. But you know when when they had a closer of note, they do things with the video board when the closure comes in. So uh I would expect it with the
0: light. If I were to bet on this, I would say the Cubs will not do it for home runs. They will do it for the closer. I think that's the compromise they're going to make between trying to keep Wrigley, really old school, whatever you want to call that, and the pageantry you get at ballparks now. But I hope not. I don't like it. I, I, I think it looks terrible on TV. I actually think it's probably a health risk for some people at the ballpark. It's It's very intense when you're in there and those lights are flashing, and people have issues with that. And I don't think Wrigley Field needs that. Nope. I but I also don't think Wrigley Field needs anything other than the organ. But, you know, yeah. way past those days. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
2: that ship has sailed.
0: But really, Definitely. go on YouTube, type in Daniel Bard, you'll be blown away at the vibe over at Coors Field. Uh, something else with the lights here. Tomorrow's Veterans Day, and you think about Wrigley Field and the lights. We all know the story. Back in the 40s, the Cubs had lights ready to go at Wrigley Field, donated it to the war effort. Then they didn't have lights for another 40 years at the ballpark. But that got me thinking about – Cubs who served in the military. And Ernie Banks came to mind for me. He had multiple years in the military, uh, early 1950s, before that long stretch of dominating with the Cubs. And that's a bygone era of Major League Baseball. It's some of the greatest players of all time took years off to go and play, or uh, rather uh, compete or enlist. Serve. The serve for. in the military. Serve yeah, in the armed forces. And uh, Ted Williams, of course, maybe the most famous example of that. But at least in the Cubs circle, Ernie Banks, early 1950s, a member of the Army. It's a solid tie-in, Ronan. Good job. Look at that. Uh, Let's talk about the World Series for a couple minutes here at the end of the show. Houston does it. They knock off Philadelphia. Uh, Alvarez, the big game-winning three-run homer. But the big story with all of this, Dusty Baker gets that World Series ring. He did win one as a player early 1980s with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He started managing in the early 90s. He got the Giants, he got the Rocky years with the Cubs, uh, Cincinnati, Washington, Houston, and he finally gets that World Series championship as a manager at 73 years old. I have a complicated relationship with Dusty Baker as a fan. I also interviewed Dusty Baker back in 2007, so I've had a chance to meet him, shake his hand, talk to him face-to-face. I thought it was pretty cool when the Astros won that world series that he got mobbed in that dugout. And again, my relationship with dusty little more complicated as a Cubs fan. I know what he means to those players. Doug Glanville with a lot to say the last couple of days, very cool moment to see dusty getting mobbed. And I didn't want the Astros to win, but that one, i like these lifers having those moments. And we got one of those with dusty getting mobbed.
1: Yeah. I, I was a fan of that too. I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't want the Astros to win, but if the Astros won, I'm glad Dusty won. I, I think yeah. it's cements in his position as a Hall of Fame manager. I think he will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think he, he's proven it I get, over 30 years. Um, I You know, yeah, it didn't work out in Chicago, but 2003, great year. Didn't work out in 2004. Definitely didn't work out in 05, 06. There are a lot of issues there. But, you know, you reminisce on the 03 Cubs. You remember it, re- reminisce on how excited you were as yeah. a fan when Dusty Baker was announced as the Cubs manager when he was coming off a of World Series in the O2 season with the Giants like we brought in a real manager a guy to really compete and it worked out In three it worked out they had a great year um he was the all-star game manager that year that was kind of fun to see in a Cubs uniform because you'd never seen a Cubs all-star game manager before no um so yeah I, I just you know good for Dusty I'm glad he got it I he was always a player's manager so you know the players loved him the players cared for him so I'm glad that he is a world series champion as a manager and he will it'll be a fun hall of fame speech
2: you know, complicated is a good way to put it. It, it. You know, it didn't really do anything for me at the time. But uh, you mentioned the name twice now, Doug Glanville, just a brilliant individual, uh, a brilliant speaker on a number of topics. He talked about what it meant to him to see Dusty win that World Series. And that's the point at which I said, OK, it doesn't do anything for me. But if Doug Glanville is happy about it, it's it's probably a net good thing in the long run so for me personally it doesn't do anything but i'm I'm trying to recognize that it's it's a good thing and that's that's my moment of growth for the week i will let you know what my moment of growth for next week is but that's my one for this week
1: will you watch his hall
0: of fame speech
2: no no thank you oh, good. I, I, good. Think that, good. No, I think
0: that'll be good actually uh Great. but it, it was a cool moment absolutely uh to see him have that and speaking of doug glanville three things coming to mind you say doug glanville the triple Holland Oats, Salt and Pepper Diner. Salt and Pepper Diner. All good. All three of those. Fine. The triple fine is the me. first one to me. Yeah. Oh, and the triple is a big one, certainly. And there really are more. Like the, his first stint with the Cubs, too. Harry Carey, Doug Lanville. Like the, that was a big part of my youth watching Cubs baseball Trade games for and, WGN. and traded for my guy, Mickey Morandini, who ended up having a fantastic year in 1998 and uh, less good in 1999. Um, all right, so World Series, Astros do it. Uh, I, the feeling I had at the end of it was all right, let's get this offseason season time. And, it's
2: done. It's over. Yeah, let's go. That's exactly what we Randall had today. Freddy.
0: All right, Randall, it's our 89th podcast. Any Cubs wear 89 ever?
2: There has been exactly one Chicago Cub to wear number 89. He holds the distinction of being the only, and being the only means he's also the first, and that is Robert Stock, who pitched briefly for the Major League Cubs in 2021. Robert Stock was nice enough to uh, respond to me that off-season, that pre-season, when I asked what number he was going to be wearing. And he was the one who confirmed to me that he would be wearing number 89. So Robert Stock is the first and, at the moment, the only individual in Chicago Cubs history of all numbered personnel in the regular season, players, coaches, and managers, to have worn number 89. Robert Stock, also an excellent follow on Twitter. He's uh, very well-spoken. He's very outspoken on a number of issues within the game in a, a very glib fashion on a lot of things he has he just completed a season overseas in the Korean baseball organization uh great perspective there kind of playing overseas so uh interesting individual I recommend following him on Twitter and he is the only number 89 in Cubs history
1: yeah interesting guy uh I remember when Robert Stock was like the best high school, I think I mentioned it when he signed with the best high school baseball player in like the country, and went to USC as a catcher and a pitcher, played both positions, and then I uh, never really, uh, nobody really bought Stock in Stock after that because it didn't huh. really turn out. I see what you um, did there. See, you love the puns. You got to watch the yep. Boris Pressers. <laughs> Pay um, me, Boris. And then, uh, and then. You know he didn't really turn out, but he did have that one start against. I mean, it was a terrible start. That one start against Jacob de Gram So you can always remember the, him having one start at, at in in New York against Jacob Degrom, where <laughs> it did not work out. And he uh, that's your must Robert have, Stock
2: me- memory. The Mets must have liked what they saw because he ended up with the Mets later that season.
0: Yeah, they bought stock in
2: stock. They yeah. did buy stock in stock. The New York Stock Exchange is what he became.
0: Yeah. Well, we're back next week. We're going to have the award finalists announced as winners so rookie of the year Cy Young manager of the year MVP that will give us a chance to reflect our preseason predictions bad predictions some of us had and there some good ones along the way as well I'll say this right now too you know I did have the Phillies winning the East and nobody else agreed with me and they didn't win the East they finished third but they won the pennant so i felt a little bit redeemed by that they're very close to winning a world series championship this year uh, but there were some bad ones bad yes. predictions that we made about the award winners about individual cubs performers so we're going to do that next week and maybe we will have a major free agent signing or trade or some significant news to get to at that point uh, but the good news is it's back offseason is here cubs are doing things and as we all agreed earlier this is a very important offseason, the most anticipated offseason for me at least in the last three or four years. Uh, let's just get this thing going. This is this is fun now. I 100
2: percent agree. Yeah, let's pull, the, end, pull the pin out of the dam, get the get the floodwaters going.
0: Let's end with this. We've seen a lot of fake rallies in Chicago Cubs history. I loaded the bases in the ninth, didn't score, scored two or three runs, couldn't get the fourth to tie it, so end up losing. I'm trying to make a bears analogy here. Justin Fields, is this real? Because man, he has snapped running the ball, throwing the ball. It's like finally coming together. But I don't know. Should I be buying this or or cautiously optimistic? He's uh, this
2: is wild. He's he's real. Justin Justin Fields is the truth. I've said it since they drafted him. I've said it a little more quietly. At times, but Justin Fields is the truth. And whether I'm right or not, I want to be right. I hope to be right. I think I am right. That's a damn fine football player there. I think that's easily the most talented quarterback we've seen as Bears fans. And, you know, it doesn't matter win losses. If Justin Fields has a good game the rest of the season, then the Bears have won. It's as simple as that.
1: I agree with you there. I think if Justin Fields, the most important thing is getting Justin Fields to play well. And Correct. if he has a good game. Then that's the most important thing. Uh, you want to you need to have a quarterback. Um, and I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, last week he had some ridiculous plays. I like that they're game planning more for him now. Um, but yes, yeah, so a lot of it is just him on his own, you know, making plays uh with his feet. And I, I enjoy that. He had the touchdown run that was obviously not a called uh run. Um, but yeah, I'm just cautiously optimistic. It's it's been the last three games have been great since the bye week. Uh, but I need to I need to I I I want to feel like it's not a fluke, you know, I, I, sure. I want to feel like it's real. And I don't quite feel that in the moment. I, I sit there and I watch it. And I'm like, yeah, this is really good. Like this guy can run and whatever. And I just want to make sure it's like, it's a real thing. So I, hopefully he finishes out this year. Like, so I can, be confident in that guy next year. Um, it, but yeah, you know, three touchdown passes looked pretty good last year. He had some bad plays from his wide receivers last week. Some bad calls by the refs. I know R- Randall would be all over that one. Um, so I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm at the highest I've been on Justin Fields since they probably drafted him.
0: Well, Sunday should be fun. Soldier Field, Lions, uh, interesting Lions team, right? They're they're way better than the record and are probably going to fight the Bears here in, in what should be a fun afternoon. Uh, problem for me in Denver is the Bears have not been on TV here in a while. You had that uh, game, uh, the Sunday night game or Monday night game, whatever it was, that awful Thursday night game. But a lot of these Sunday games just not on TV here, uh, and God, they show the Broncos every damn week, and that's not good TV, guys. Yeah, you should be able not to opt out, show you the should be able to opt out of that. <laughs> yeah they show the broncos here a lot it's been bad uh they're in i think tennessee this weekend and uh, probably another loss for that team in blue and orange but we're excited about this cubs off season lots going on i think next week's show is going to be a lot of fun we're going to eat some pro looking back on our preseason predictions we are on twitter everybody's on twitter now verified and all that uh the yeah. TIL podcast so give us a follow and we'll see you next week uh, let's hope there's a big splash here for the cubs see you guys we